So as we talk about joy today, a question I have for you is when have you leaped for joy in your life? Whether physically leaping for joy or just that feeling of you want to leap for joy. When have you leaped for joy in your life? Maybe it was at an event, like a sporting event. Maybe it was during a reunion with a special person that you haven't seen in a long time. Maybe it was when you heard some good news and you just want to jump for joy. When have you jumped for joy in your life? Again, whether actually physically doing it or wanting to do it. I remember one of the first times I leaped for joy in my life. The date was October 25th, 1986. I'm looking at you, Met fan, right there. It was, not, it was game six of the World Series. <laughs> now, if you're a Red Sox fan, this is going to be a stumbling block. I warned you. God is greater, right? But on that day, October 25th, 1986, you, I'll date myself as a 10-year-old boy who loved baseball, played baseball growing up, who loved the New York Mets because his grandfather told me to root for the Mets and not for the Yankees. Oh, Grandpa, why'd you do that? But the fact that I loved the Mets, Loved the moment, but it was game six. And they were down three games to two, and it was the top of the 10th inning, and the Red Sox went up by two runs. And if you recall that crazy night, then the Mets in the bottom of the 10th, one out, two outs, two outs, nobody on base. If ESPN's predicting probability of victory was around at that point, it would be just above zero. No chance of victory. But then what happened? A hit. Another hit. And then another hit, and a run scored. It was five to four. Runners on first and third. Red Sox bring in another pitcher to close down the game. After a bunch of pitches, he throws a wild pitch, ties the game. Just when you think you could be excited about a tie game, it happened again. Mookie Wilson hits a ground ball up towards first base. And if you remember the great Vince Scully, that call, a little roller up along first, behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. <laughs> Who's with me? Don Gomber, you're with me. Yes. I jumped up and down like crazy. I was like this. Woo. My microphone didn't fall off this week. I jumped like crazy. I jumped all around my basement like a nutcase, screaming, we won, we won, we won. I mean, did I do anything to help, help them win? I was on a couch eating popcorn. But I was yelling, we won, we won. I was so excited. I leaped for joy. When have, now you're awake. You're, 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 <laughs> I'm awake. When, when have you leaped for joy in your life? Or when have you felt like you wanted to leap for joy? Well, today we're going to consider a passage in Scripture where someone leaped for joy. It was an unexpected leap of joy. And it's in the Gospel of Luke, towards the beginning. As you recall, as you read through the Gospel of Luke, the, God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary with this announcement that she was going to give birth to a son. And this son was going to be named Jesus. And he was the promised Messiah. Well, right after she receives this news, we move forward into the story, into this account. And as we do, we're going to continue in our sermon series entitled, Do Not Fear. Say those words. Do not fear. And today we're going to look at how the joy of Christ can push out and drive out fear. If you look at 1 John chapter 4, we read this great truth that God is love. And then we read that perfect love drives out fear, meaning God drives out fear. As we look at Christ, we see God, and we've been looking at aspects of Christ in these weeks during Advent, looking at the hope of Christ two weeks ago, looking at the peace of Christ last week. Today, the joy of Christ. And we're going to consider today how the joy of Christ can drive out and push out fear. And to do that, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Right after Mary gets this news 
from Gabriel. So I invite you to close your eyes as we listen to this story. And as we listen to this account, I ask that you imagine being there in this moment of joy. Verse 39. At this time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her promise, his promises to her. You can open your eyes. So as we look at this passage going verse by verse, we see what happened, right? When Mary received this news from the angel Gabriel, not only did she receive news that she was going to give birth to a son, and this son would be the promised Messiah, she also received news that her relative Elizabeth in her old age was to give birth to a child as well. This child who was to become John the Baptist. And so here's Elizabeth with child in her sixth month. Mary, I love verse 39. We read that Mary hurried. She got up and hurried. There was no hesitation in Mary to go find out what this was all about. She went to Elizabeth. She went to her house. And when she went there and she entered into the house, she, Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. And the baby inside Elizabeth leaped. And later we see the baby leaped with joy. And at that point, too, Elizabeth, we read, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? Luke records this numerous times where the Holy Spirit comes to a person, the personal, powerful presence of God. And in that moment, it leads to worship. It leads to speaking words of truth. And Elizabeth can't hold it in. She starts exclaiming and speaking out in a loud voice. In verse 42, we read, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child that you will bear. And then, with, all, with humble amazement, Elizabeth asks this question. In verse 43, she says, but why? Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth, here, filled with the Holy Spirit, is in humble amazement. Why? Why me? Why am I so favored? The word favor is the same word for grace, meaning it's a surprising, undeserved, unmerited gift. Why am I so favored, Elizabeth says, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Here is supernatural revelation to Elizabeth that this baby inside Mary, the baby Jesus just starting to be formed, is the Lord. She says, my Lord. It's only by the Holy Spirit could this divine revelation be given that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Apostle Paul later says this, only a person by the Spirit can say Jesus is Lord. Here, Elizabeth is the first one to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And she then says in verse 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped with joy. Leaped with joy. This is more than just a normal movement of a baby inside of a mother. The baby leaped with joy. Our oldest daughter, Cambria, when she was uh, inside Laurie, I remember we were at a worship service and the pastor said, you are a child of God. And apparently I remember Cambria just, Laurie said, like punched at the side. 
We're like, yes, you know, like she's already, she's already responding to God's goodness. Take that to the infinite level, to the infinite level. It's what happened here. And Elizabeth finishes with this word of blessing. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Right, throughout these, 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 these verses, we see in many ways that this passage is bursting out with joy. I see this passage as like a joy explosion. I mean, over and over. I mean, just picture this. Mary getting this word about the, the birth of Messiah and obviously with her circumstances and who she is and she goes to Elizabeth and then this baby leaps with joy and Elizabeth, full of the Holy Spirit, starts sharing all these words of truth. If you keep reading in that passage and I invite you to do that this week, you see how then Mary in turn responds and, and starts singing out. She can't hold it in. There's an outburst of joy. This takes the phrase bubbling with joy to a whole nother level, to an infinite level, a supernatural level. And once again, we see when Jesus intersects with another life story, something life-giving always happens. And here at the very beginning, Jesus, just starting to be formed in, in Mary, encounters Elizabeth and the baby John, and the baby John leaped for joy. This is how it always works when there's an encounter with Jesus. And so as we think about Elizabeth, we see that she didn't keep this to herself. She wasn't quiet, wasn't internal. But we could experience joy in a quiet, internal way. That's the beginning of it. But I, what we see in this passage is that joy is fully experienced when it's expressed. When there's a sense of, there's an object and a subject of joy, and then there's a response and it's expressed. That's when joy is experienced to the full. We see Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud voice, she didn't say, oh, blessed you, Mary. It's pretty amazing. You got the Messiah in you. Let's have some tea. No, she was like, <laughs> blessed are you. Like, this is incredible. The promised Messiah is in you, Mary. The one that's been, they've been waiting hundreds of years. God had been silent for hundreds of years. God's people under, now under Roman oppression, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of oppression, in the midst of waiting and groaning. Here is this incredible news the Messiah is here. And Elizabeth can't keep it in. And the baby John leaped for joy. In many ways, Elizabeth responded to all this with worship. Worship. Ascribing worth to the Lord in worship. We see an act of worship in so many ways. Elizabeth's response did not include any yeah, buts. Yeah, but what about the Romans? Yeah, what about all those failed Messiahs before? She didn't include those. Didn't include the yeah, but, you know, Mary's just, you're just a poor peasant. Or this or that. There's none of that. And more importantly, we didn't see any, any sense of fear in either of them. There was no fear. There was full joy. There was no fear even with the sense of the Messiah. That would mean everything would change. And when things change and things get uncertain, that's a lot of times when fears start creeping up. But there was no fear in this passage. Because joy cast out that fear. Focusing on Jesus and the encounter with Jesus and the response of worship pushed out that fear. And that's what we see in this account. That's what we see throughout Scripture. We see here that deep-seated joy comes from an encounter with Jesus and then the resulting worship of God. Let me say that again. Deep-seated joy comes from an encounter with Jesus and then the resulting worship of God. And in this, we see that the joy of Christ drives out fear. The joy of Christ drives out fear. So what does this mean for us? For us, as we see in Scripture, 
that God's love and grace are always coming towards us. It's like the ocean waves always coming towards us. We see that ultimately in Jesus Christ. It's still an amazingly astounding aspect of Christianity that God did not stay coldly distant and far away, expecting us to submit to him and just follow his rules. Right? That's in some ways what we would imagine God to be like, because God should be that. We should be distant, cold, and follow his rules. No. God revealed in Scripture the way who God is, his actual character, is he came to be with us. He came to be with us. He didn't stay distant. He's not cold. He's not far away. He came to be with us. And so as we have that encounter with this God who came to be with us and is available to us, as we have that encounter, the next step should be a response of worship. And that response of worship leads to greater joy because he is Lord. He's the Messiah, right? Jesus is the focus of the gospel, right? The word gospel was used back in that day as meaning it would mean good news or an announcement of victory. So the Romans would go off to fight battles. And when they would come back in victory, they would have a gospel announcement, an announcement of victory saying, we won, we won, we won. And they, didn't, they would exclaim, Caesar is Lord. Here, in the message of Christianity, the truth of Christ, the battle has been won. And the victory came through his life and his death and then his resurrection in real time. And so the true gospel, the true announcement of victory is not that Caesar is Lord or anyone else, but that Jesus is Lord. And this victory is infinitely better than any victory that we could know or imagine. Even a seemingly miraculous victory of the New York Mets, which any victory by the New York Mets is somewhat miraculous, but the fact that in the World Series, it's that to the infinite level, what we see. We see this, that Jesus is the victor. Jesus is our Savior, and Jesus is Lord. Say that with me. Jesus is the victor, Jesus is our Savior, and Jesus is Lord. But this announcement and encounter with Jesus brings joy. Are you feeling it? You feeling it? There's joy. We receive joy when we both experience this, but also when we express it. It can't just be something that we hold within or have it be a nice intellectual exercise. Now, some of us are more emotive than others. You're seeing I'm a little emotive today, right? But others, some of us are not as emotive. There's different ways to express that joy. But God invites us to express it. Our joy is made complete and it's experienced to the fullest when we express it. That's why we see in Scripture in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, two words, rejoice continually. Right, here's a short word of exhortation from the Apostle Paul. And, he was, and this is something which is actually commanded and given to us that we need to intentionally choose to rejoice. And when we rejoice, especially as we rejoice in Christ, we remember who he is. We fix our eyes on him and puts us in a position of worship and that true joy. Uh, this comes in the form of sometimes simply saying, thank you, God. Thank you. Or praising God for who he is. But it's a way of finding that rejoicing through worshiping. We see this throughout the Bible. Now, Psalm 98, I want to take us on a little side trip to Psalm 98. Here's one of many examples of a picture of what it means to worship God. We see throughout the pages of Scripture what it means to respond to this encounter with God and have resulting worship. In Psalm 98 are these great words. I invite you again to close your eyes. Listen to this psalm and listen to the joy and worship in it, starting in verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. 
His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let you open up your eyes again. Do you notice those, those words of action in that song? Right? To sing, shout for joy, to clap. Right? This is a full body experience. This isn't just a head nod. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, this is a full body experience. And I know that sometimes, hey, we're pretty reserved here in church settings. This is a church. This is a holy setting. But then I take you out to a sporting event or to a concert, and you, everyone goes just crazy. I mean, we'll start doing, like, if you could do cartwheels and flips, you'd do it. Right? Here we're talking about the risen Jesus Christ. And here in Psalm 98, we see that there's a full body experience. Verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Again, coming in encounter with God results in worship. And results here, we get a specific picture of singing. Right, verse 4, we see shout for joy to the Lord and all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing. Right, singing is, is a key and important part of worship. I want to step back and just think about this. For centuries, hundreds of years, even more, thousands of years, others just like you, just like me, have sat in these seats and in worship services, express their praise and gratitude to God in song and singing. And this goes all the way back to the Old Testament, right, to the Jewish roots. You see here in Psalm 98 that this was what we inherited as Christians from the synagogue worship into the church. And then the church, as it began, right, it went from worshiping and gathering on Saturday, the day of worship for the Jewish people, moved to Sunday, right, the first day of the week, the day, the first day of the week when Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And came to be known in the, early, in the early church as the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day, Resurrection Sunday. Meaning every Sunday is the Lord's Day. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. It's not just Easter. right? Follow me on this. He is risen. He is risen indeed. It's not just for Easter. Not just for March or April. It is all year long Sundays. It's the Lord's Day. It's time for us to come and to encounter this Jesus. And it results in worship. And that result of worship brings about joy because jesus christ is leap worthy amen? amen now get out of your seats no, no i'm not doing that tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at those in the overflow i know you're in the gym you have a little more space out there to do it but but jesus the, the resurrection of jesus christ what he's done for us and god's amazing love in it is no doubt leap worthy and as we do it leaves less and less room in fact at points, zero room for fear. Because when we're full of joy, we're reminded of who he is, what he's done, and his promises. 
that joy that's found in Christ can drive out and push out fear. But let's be honest. Fears are real. Life is tough. It doesn't mean that we just go la, 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 and, and forget about it. What it does is it enables us, allows us to face our fears with renewed courage, recognizing that we are not alone. As we pray before, the victory has been won. And so the victor is on our side. He's working with us, and he can carry us to face all the fears, the very real fears that we have. So worship. Worship is an active way to push against fears. So as we think about this, I want to give you one thing to remember, one thing to do. We're going to spend some time on the action step, and then three questions for reflection. One thing to remember is this. Jesus is the true source of joy. And that, that joy drives out fear as we rejoice when we worship him. Look to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. And specifically, worship services provides us opportunity. So that brings us to one thing to do. Commit to discovering or rediscovering the joy of Christ through expressing praise and gratitude to God through singing in worship services. Now, what's this about singing? Throughout the pages of Scripture, we see calls to action to sing. We see God's people singing. And let me tell you, if you go over the course of human history, every single follower of Christ, they all didn't have good voices. <laughs> and not all of them probably cared about singing. They didn't have talk radio or podcasts back then, but they probably were like, some were saying, I'm done with this music thing. I like hearing just talk and give me text. Don't give me music. But we see throughout the pages of Scripture that singing is not an option for followers of Christ. There's something that we've been created. There's something in us that longs to express our gratitude and praise to God. And singing has been given as a primary vehicle for that. And so as you look at this action step, I invite you to consider whatever your next step is. If you are big into music, you love singing, don't hold back. If singing is not your thing, and if music is not your thing, I want to offer this loving invitation and challenge to you. To try it. To try it. You know, I'm not going to have you come up here and sing a solo. <laughs> Raise your hand. No, but you come solo. But to try it. As you see the words on the screen, or if you read them from a hymnal, Start by simply reading the words. Pay attention and marvel at the truths that are there. And the next step would be just speak the words. Even if you don't want to sing, if you're not in a position to sing, start to speak the words and see what happens. It's a way to express to God. And then from there, try to sing. You don't even have to sing loud. And recognize here there's lots of grace. No one's here, no one's, well, there's some professional singers in the room, but not everyone's professional <laughs> singers in this room. And that's okay. We're here to give this to God not to each other. Try it. See what that next step is. It's part of being a disciple of Jesus. It means expressing praise and gratitude to God. And God's given us the gift of music to do it. And part of what comes of that is the experience of joy. Because that experience of joy is complete as we express it to God. Three questions for reflection. Reflect on these over, maybe over lunch today, later today, maybe throughout the week, on your own in a journal, or maybe or a cup of coffee with a friend or a small group. Question number one, when have you leaped for joy and what was the cause of that joy? Take a moment, take a couple minutes and reflect on your life moments. Okay, maybe it was a reunion with a friend or a family member. Maybe it was an event. Maybe it was uh, the, the bringing of good news of some kind. When have you either leaped for joy physically or felt like leaping for joy? Number two, what are some ways that you can express your praise and gratitude to God and how can singing play an increasing role 
in that practice. And I invite you to take the words of Scripture seriously. That not only in the Psalms, but throughout the Bible, that singing is a marker of a follower of Christ. And if we take the authority of Scripture seriously, then engaging in some form of singing as a response to God is part of our discipleship, including worship services. Where my prayer for all of you is that worship services wouldn't be something you have to do. Oh, have to go to worship. It's something you get to do. We get to be here. We get to worship God. Not only, not only in this country where we're free to do it, no one's going to come and crack us down and throw us in jail for being here, but we get to do it because we're in the presence of the living God, the living Lord Jesus, resurrected from the dead. The Lord's Day is Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday every Sunday, and we get to do it together. Question number three, how is God inviting you to discover or rediscover the joy of Christ? Follow this, through reflecting on and responding to the amazing grace found and encounters with Jesus. And recognize that when there's an encounter with Jesus, it leads to resulting worship. And through that resulting worship, as we express our joy, we experience it to the full. Imagine, imagine if we all engaged in this. If each of us took that next step, whether it's maybe for the first time thinking, okay, maybe, I'll, maybe there's something to the reason there's music. I have... I remember when I worked in software years ago, I had some Muslim friends who said, what's up with you Christians and your singing? Like, I, we, like you, I visited your worship service. You, some of you sing for a long time. Like, that's a lot of music. Or an atheist friend being like, what's the deal with music and you Christians? Like, let's get to the lecture or pray, but music? What's the deal? And I remember turning to some of them saying, do you remember those good love songs when you were dating someone? And how those love songs just pulled at your heart? Because there's an affection there. Music allows us to express that affection to a, a living God who loves us, to respond to his great love. Um, I invite you to consider that in your life. Imagine if we all committed to this and prepared. Imagine if we prepared for our worship services every week and came with a sense of expectancy around us. And as we all participate together, what could happen? I remember years ago, a friend of mine, we came and visited our church, this church, coming through town. And my friend who's from a different part of the Christian faith said, wow, that New Providence Presbyterian Church, they can sing. Because I, I, I've never been part of a church that, would, that so many people were singing. He was blown away. May, that continue to, we, may we continue in that legacy today in 2021 as we move into 2022 as a church that sings and expresses our faith to God. I'm going to finish with that final prayer, which is from Romans 15, 13, which my prayer is that this would be a verse that we'd memorize as a church together. Right? That may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy as we learn to lift up his name and worship and express that joy to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your incredible grace. It's leap-worthy, God. It is leap-worthy as we really step back and think about what you did, sending your son and Jesus living the perfect life, dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our, of our sins, resurrected to life in real time. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. It is your day. It's the Lord's day. God, I pray for each person who's heard this message that you would give them the next step in what it means to follow you through worshiping you, praising you, thanking you, including singing to you, singing these words. God, thank you for the Christmas season, this Advent season, which gives us a great chance to practice. And for what we're about to sing now, joy to the world, Lord, may we sing this out. 
and put this into practice now as we reflect on your amazing grace through this song and then into this week and beyond. May we be a people who offer up our praises to you. And Lord, may we experience that joy and may that joy be made complete as we worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.